Hi friends, and welcome to the Decision Intelligence Podcast with Cassie Kozakov. Here's Statistics for People in a Hurry, read for you by the author. Ever wish someone would just tell you what the point of statistics is and what all the jargon means in plain English? Let me try grant that wish for you. I'll zoom through all the biggest ideas in statistics in just 12 minutes. So here we go. What's a statistic? It's any old way of mushing up our data. Yep, 100% technically correct definition. Now let's see what the discipline of statistics is all about. Statistics is the science of changing your mind. Making decisions based on facts, we call them parameters in statistics, is hard enough as it is, but curses, sometimes we don't even have all the facts we need. Instead, what we know, our sample, is different from what we wish we knew, our population. That's what it means to have uncertainty. Statistics is the science of changing your mind under uncertainty. So what might your mind be set to if we're going to change it? A default action or a prior belief? Hey, but what if your mind's a blank slate? Then you don't need all this fancy statistical inference stuff. For an explanation, check out my blog post, Don't Waste Your Time on Statistics. But say your mind is set. Bayesians change their mind about beliefs while frequentists change their mind about actions. Bayesian statistics is the school of thought that deals with incorporating data to update your beliefs. Bayesians like to report results using credible intervals. That's two numbers which are interpreted as, I believe the answer lives between here and here. Frequentist statistics deals with changing your mind about actions. You don't need to have a belief to have a default action. It's simply what you're committed to doing if you don't analyze any data. Frequentist statistics also known as classical statistics, is the one you're much more likely to encounter in the wild and in your Stat 101 class. So let's keep it classical for the rest of this episode. In classical statistics, hypotheses are descriptions of what the world might look like. The null hypothesis describes all worlds where doing the default action is a happy choice, and the alternative hypothesis is all other worlds. If I convince you, with data, that you don't live in the null hypothesis world, then you'd better change your mind and take the alternative action. For example, if my default action is that sure, we can walk to class together, and I'm happy to do that if you typically take under 15 minutes to get ready, that's my null hypothesis, then if the data show me that it's actually longer than that, you can walk to class by yourself because I'm out of here. All of hypothesis testing is all about asking, does our evidence make the null hypothesis look ridiculous? Rejecting the null hypothesis means we learned something and we should change our minds, while not rejecting means that we learned nothing interesting. It's just like going for a hike in the woods and seeing no humans doesn't prove that there are no humans on planet Earth. It just means we didn't learn anything interesting about humans existing. Does it make you sad to learn nothing? It shouldn't, because you have a lovely insurance policy. You know exactly what action to take. If you learn nothing, you have no reason to change your mind, so keep doing that default action. So how do we know if we learn something interesting, something out of line with the world in which we want to keep doing our default action? To get the answer, we can look at a p-value or a confidence interval. The p-value is on the periodic table. It's the element of surprise! The p-value says, if I'm living in a world where I should be taking that default action, how unsurprising is my evidence? Be careful with using other people's p-values, though, because if you didn't make it yourself, the only valid interpretation of someone else's p-value is someone was surprised by something. Now think about how little that actually tells you. And let's get back to calculating your own. When you make it, your p-value says, 
if I'm living in a world where I should be taking that default action, how unsurprising is my evidence? And the lower is that p-value, the more the data are yelling at you, whoa, that's surprising, maybe you should change your mind. To perform the test, compare that p-value with a threshold called the significance level. This is a knob that you use to control how much risk you want to tolerate. It's your maximum probability of stupidly leaving your cozy, comfy default action. If you set the significance level to zero, that means you refuse to make the mistake of leaving your default incorrectly. Pens down, don't analyze any data, just take that default action. But it also means that you might end up stupidly not leaving that default action. And remember, with uncertainty, you can't actually tell in advance what the right choice is. You can only do something sensible based on what your data are telling you. A confidence interval is simply a way to report your hypothesis test results. To use it, check whether it overlaps with your null hypothesis. If it does overlap, learn nothing. If it doesn't, change your mind. While a confidence interval's technical meaning is a little bit weird, and I'll tell you all about it in a future post, bear in mind it's not simple like the credible interval that we just met earlier. The confidence interval has two useful properties which analysts find helpful in describing their data. One, the best guess is always in there, and two, it's narrower when there's more data. Beware that both it and the p-value weren't designed to be nice to talk about, so don't expect pithy definitions. They're just ways to summarize test results. And if you took a class and found the definitions impossible to remember, that's why. On behalf of statistics, it's not you, it's me. What's the point here? If you do your testing the way I just described, the math guarantees that your risk of making a mistake is capped at the significance level you chose. Which is why it's so important that you <clears throat> choose it. The math is there to guarantee you the risk settings that you picked. It's kind of pointless if you didn't bother to pick them. What's with all these crazy formulas, these probabilities and distributions? They allow us to express the rules governing the null hypothesis universe so we can figure out whether that universe is the kind of place that coughs up data similar to what you got in real life. And if it isn't, you shout, ridiculous, off with its head. If it is, you shrug and learn nothing. More on this in a future post. For now, just think of the math as building little toy worlds for us to poke at, so we can see if our data set looks reasonable in them. It's about making and examining toy universes. How cool is that, fellow megalomaniacs? So cool to see how likely they are to spawn data sets like yours. If your toy model of the null hypothesis universe is unlikely to give you data like the data you got from the real world, your p-value will be low and you will end up rejecting the null hypothesis and changing your mind. The p-value and confidence interval are simply ways to summarize all that for you so that you don't need to squint at a long-winded description of a universe. They are the end game, the punchline. Use them to see whether or not to leave your default action. Job done. Wait, hang on. What do you mean job done? Did we actually do our homework to make sure that we collected enough evidence to give ourselves a fair shot at changing our minds? That's what the concept of power measures. It's really easy not to find any mind-changing evidence. Hey, just don't go looking for it. The more power you have, the more opportunity you've given yourself to change your mind if that's the right thing to do. Power is the probability of correctly leaving your default action. When we learn nothing and keep doing what we're doing, we can feel better about our process if it happened with lots of power. At least we did our homework. If we barely had any power at all, on the other hand, we pretty much knew we weren't going to change our minds. May as well not bother analyzing data. 
power analysis is a way to check how much power you can expect for a given amount of data. You use it to plan your studies before you begin. It's pretty easy too. In a future post, I'll show you that all it takes is a few for loops. What is statistics not? Magical magic that makes certainty out of uncertainty. There is no magic that can do that. You can still make mistakes. Speaking of mistakes, here are two mistakes you can make in frequentist statistics. Bayesians don't make mistakes. Kidding. Well, sort of. Stay tuned for my Bayesian post. In frequentist statistics, type 1 error is foolishly leaving your default action. Hey, you just said you were comfortable with that default action. And now, thanks to all your math, you left it when you should have just stayed there. And you would have been better off if you'd not even analyzed anything. You would have just done it. Ouch. All that effort got you something bad. Type 2 error is foolishly not leaving your default action. We statisticians are so creative at naming stuff, right? Guess which mistake is worse? Type 1? <laughs> yep, so creative. So again, type 1 error is changing your mind when you shouldn't, and type 2 error is not changing your mind when you should. Type 1 error is like convicting an innocent person, and type 2 error is like failing to convict a guilty person. These two error probabilities are in balance. Think about it like this. If you make it easier to convict a guilty person, you'll also make it easier to convict an innocent person. Unless what, detectives? Unless you get more evidence. That's data. In which case, both errors become less likely and everything becomes better. That's why statisticians want you to have more, more, more data. Everything becomes better when you have more data. More data means more protection against coming to the wrong conclusion. And we statisticians are all about trying to avoid coming to the wrong conclusion where possible. In fact, we prefer to learn nothing rather than to learn the wrong thing. What's multiple comparisons correction? You've got to do your testing in a different, adjusted way if you know you plan to ask multiple questions of the same data set. If you keep putting innocent suspects on trial over and over again, if you keep fishing in your data, eventually something's going to look guilty just by a random accident. The term statistically significant doesn't mean something important happened in the eyes of the universe. It simply means we found something that looked guilty. It means we changed our minds, perhaps incorrectly. Mistakes are possible. Curse that uncertainty. What's a type 3 error? It's kind of a statistics joke. If type 1 error is incorrectly rejecting the null hypothesis, and type 2 error is incorrectly failing to reject the null hypothesis, then type 3 error is correctly rejecting the wrong null hypothesis. In other words, using all the right math to answer entirely the wrong question. A cure for asking and answering the wrong question can be found in decision intelligence, the new discipline that looks at applying data science to solving business problems and making decisions well. By mastering decision intelligence, you'll build up your immunity to type 3 error and you'll avoid useless analytics. If you're interested in learning more about that topic, check out my blog post or podcast episode, Introduction to Decision Intelligence. In summary, statistics is the science of changing your mind. There are two schools of thought in it. The more popular one, frequented statistics, is all about checking whether you should leave your default action. Bayesian statistics is all about having a prior opinion and updating that opinion with data. And if your mind is truly a blank slate before you begin, look at your data and just go with your gut. I'm Cassie Kozarkov, and this was Statistics for People in a Hurry, read for you by the author. 
If you had fun here, a small thing that you can do that makes me feel loved is sharing this with someone who'd benefit from it. Thanks, friends, and see you next time on the Decision Intelligence Podcast.